Shalom. Welcome to Ash JTF, the program in which we attempt to answer questions from our great JTFers. I'm Chaim Ben Pesach from the Jewish Task Force. This is going to be a very special program because we're going to reveal on this program what the PLO terrorists and the so-called Palestinian authorities say is the biggest threat to their aspiration for an independent Palestinian state in order to, to destroy Israel. The biggest threat that they face is the hilltop youth. And they themselves say it. We're going to show you this interview uh, that was done. We're going, to, we're going to quote from the interview that was done. It was done in Arabic. We're going to quote from the interview, and you'll see why the hilltop youth are so essential to Israel's survival. But before we get to that, this program is dedicated to Refuah Shlema, complete recovery for Sharon Mitman, Shlomo Ben Saran, Dorit Bat and to Ilui Neshamot, Elevating of the Souls for Malka Bat Meir, Allegra Bat Shlomo, Daniel Nankin, Victor Chazdai, Pesach Bendov, Lunita Adler, Shifra Hoffman, Ruven Hoffman, Barry Hoffman, Harab Mir Kahana, Harab Binyamin Kahana, Tzipora Fegi Bat Liba, Yosef Ben Meir, Robert Mitman, Dennis Shore, Helen Friedman, and Charles Zolat. The PLO terrorists who have been given control of much of Judea and Samaria under the cursed Oslo agreements, the Israelis have surrendered huge portions of Judea and Samaria to the PLO terrorists. And they run something that resembles a state already called the Palestinian Authority. And by the way, although it's called a Palestinian Authority, there is no such thing as a Palestinian people and there is no Palestine. That's a historic fallacy and a fabrication, a complete hoax that has no historic validity. So let's understand that when we use the term Palestinian Authority, there are no Palestinians and there is no Palestine. They're Arabs. But anyway, the so-called Palestinian Authority has a cabinet. And in their cabinet, they have a cabinet minister who, and a, a cabinet department, and they have a cabinet minister, and it's called the Struggle Against the Settlements. That's the name of the cabinet department. And they have a minister who's in charge of the struggle against the settlers, a whole cabinet department and a minister, and he's given more resources and more support than, than, than virtually anyone else among the PLO terrorists. This is their number one struggle against the Jewish settlers in Judea and Samaria. And this individual, this terrorist, his name is Moid Shaban. He is the minister in charge of the struggle against the settlements. And he did an interview. And before we get to the interview, though, you should know that their struggle against the settlements, almost all of it is focused on the hilltop youth. They don't even bother with the half a million Jews that live in established Jewish settlements. There are established Jewish settlements where a half a million Jews live in Judea and Samaria. They live in two and a half percent of Judea and Samaria. And the successive Israeli governments and and everyone else has told them, you can't leave that 2.5%. You can live in those ghettos of 2.5% of Judea and Samaria, but the other 97.5% is going to the Arab Nazi terrorists who want to destroy Israel so that they can create an independent Palestinian state, so that Israel will be in borders that are only 6 to 9 miles wide. Suicidal borders. So that's the plan. The plan is to keep... The Jews within 2.5% of Judea and Samaria and give 97.5% over to the Arab terrorists for an independent Palestinian state. And again, you don't have to touch a single one of the established Jewish settlements. You don't have to remove them or do anything to them in order to establish a Palestinian state, an independent Palestinian state, which would be suicide for Israel. You, don't, you, you could do that without touching any of the established Jewish settlements. 
And that's the plan. That was the Trump plan. That's the Netanyahu plan. That was the Obama plan. That's the Biden plan. And But there's a problem that they have, a little bit of a problem that was created. The Hilltop Youth broke out of that 2.5% and they seized dozens of strategic hilltops all over Judea and Samaria, dividing up the Arab the attempts by the Arabs to create territorial, uh, contiguous territorial entity. And so the hilltop youth are in the way. They're an obstacle. They're on, those, they're on the most strategic hilltops in Judea and Samaria, refusing to leave. And they're taking more and more land, the hilltop youth. And they're saying, no, we're not staying in the 2.5%. Judeans, all of Judea and Samaria and the land of Israel belongs to the Jewish people. This is our land. And we're going to settle where we, we're going to settle where we were meant to settle and we don't care what the Israeli government or the UN or the European Union or the State Department or anyone else says, this is our land. We're going to do what the Bible says we're supposed to do, what the Torah says we're supposed to do, what Hashem, what God commands us to do, which is settle in the land of Israel and prevent Israeli national suicide. So the Hilltop Youth are a problem. And the struggle, the cabinet department that I told you about, struggle against the settlers, the settlements, that cabinet department in the in the PLO terrorist entity that was created, their struggle is almost always just against the hilltop youth. They spend much more of their time worrying about 500 hilltop youth heroes. 500 hilltop youth heroes occupy much more of their time than a half a million Jews who live in the established settlements in Judea and Samaria. Those people they don't even bother with. But the 500 Jew, Jewish hilltop youth heroes, that's pretty much what they spend all of their time fighting against. And now an interview was done by this PLO terrorist, uh, by this PLO terrorist uh, cabinet minister, he calls himself a cabinet minister, Moid Shaban. And he said in the interview, he speaks about how the hilltop youth are well organized, well trained, disciplined, and he calls them a t- he calls them a terrorist organization. He calls the hilltop youth a terrorist organization. He claims they're well armed and well trained, and he claims that the Israeli government and the Israeli army are really helping them, which is a lie. And the Israeli government, Israeli army, are doing everything they can to sabotage them and to and to force them out and and do terrible things to them, but. He claims that the Israeli government and the Israeli army are behind them and are, and are, are behind all of this. Why? Because he's an Arab. He's not a Jew. He's normal. He's evil. He's a murderer. He's evil. He's a terrorist. And he hates all non-Muslims. But he's sane and normal. And he realizes that if that any that if there was a sane Jewish government in Israel, the people they would be supporting would be the hilltop youth. That would be the first people they would be supporting. If there was a sane Jewish army, the Jewish army would be doing everything they could to help the hilltop youth. That would be the only sane thing that any Jewish army would do. He actually has a hard time, as do Arabs in general, understanding the insanity of Jews who don't want the hilltop youth there and want to give, want to give away the land and want to commit suicide. They can't comprehend this. It reminds us of what Moreno Verabbeinu Haramir David Kahana, Zecher Tzaddik V'Kadosh Livracha always said, our blessed Rabbi Meir Kahana, blessed memory, may Hashem, may, may Hashem avenge his blood. Rabbi Kahana always used to say, I understand the Arabs 
and the Arabs understand me, but neither one of us can understand the Jews. Rabbi Kahana was normal and sane, and the Arabs, they're evil, but they're normal and sane. The Jews are insane. Anyway, the hilltop youth Jews, though, are, 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 are not insane. They are the normal Jews of our generation and the Jewish heroes of our generation. And this cabinet minister, this Arab terrorist cabinet minister said that this group, the hilltop youth, they are the number one threat. They're the, they are the threat to, our, to, to establishing a Palestinian state. He calls them the threat. 500 hilltop youth on 30 hilltop communities. Not only that, he says they have already taken over much more land with their with their cattle and their agricultural because they they the hilltop youth come and take as much as they can take because when when the hilltop youth take over and graze and have establish uh, establish their agricultural uh, development and everything else that becomes Jewish land that becomes their land and the Arabs can't build there anymore and so he says when the he said the hilltop youth with their 500 hilltop uh, Hilltop heroes. They've taken more land than the half a million Jews in the established Jewish settlements. They've already taken more. He said they've already taken twice as much land as the half a million Jews. This is what he said in the interview. He also said that they have the potential. If they get enough support, they and if we don't do something to stop them, they have the potential to take over all of Area C. Area C is 60% of Judean Samaria. That the hilltop youth if they received the proper support, could take over 60% of Judea and Samaria. This is Moed Shaban who is saying this. Here's Moed Shaban. Here's a picture of Moed Shaban. And he's giving this interview. And this is, by the way, this is this is typical of what they, they've been warning about. They've been warning that hilltop youth are a problem. That's why the Israeli government is constantly moving in against the hilltop youth because the Arabs don't stop complaining about this. They complain, they complain to the UN and they complain to the European Union and they complain to the State Department and they complain to the administration in Washington and they complain to the Israeli news media and the Israeli left and and in the end the coward Benny Gantz, that, that low-life traitor coward who was the so-called defense minister of Israel, that clown who let the Iranians uh, hack his own his cellular telephone and steal all of Israel's military secrets. I mean, just a clown, a, a moron, a, a complete joke, and a coward. And he's so called. He's the so called defense minister of Israel. And he was the so called Ramatkal. He was the he was in charge of the Israeli army. They put people who are such jokes in charge of the Israeli army. It's such a miracle that Israel survives even five minutes. It's just Hashem helping the Jewish people survive with 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 clowns like this in charge. But Benny Gantz orders the Israeli army and the Israeli police to go in and to attack the hilltop youth and destroy their homes and destroy everything and beat their animals, beat the, the, poor, the poor sheep and, and lambs and goats that they're raising. They, they hit them on the head with batons and, and, and use tear gas against the poor animals that the hilltop youth are raising. And these animals are not used to this because these animals were brought up and the hilltop youth are very kind to animals, are very kind to all of their animals. And so 
you know, the, the animals are not used to being subjected to violence. They they were born into into these hilltop communities, and they were born into in, in, into communities where they're treated with love. And all of a sudden, these you know these uh, barbaric criminals, traitors from the Israeli police and Israeli army and people in the Israeli army come and start attacking them, and and then beat the Jewish women. They beat Jewish women. Would they? Would they? They would never dare do this to Arab women. They pull the the head coverings off of Jewish women. Would they pull off the hijab off of these off of these uh, Arab Muslim women? They would never dare do something like that. Never. But Jewish women, they pull their head coverings off, throw them on the ground, beat them, kick them, punch them until they're bleeding. We've shown you pictures of the blood of the the Jewish teenage girls who were beaten by by police and soldiers who come. I mean, just unbelievable what goes on. It's a po- they they stage pogroms, anti-Semitic pogroms against these Jewish heroes. What a demented people! What a demented people we're we're dealing with here. What a demented generation we have here. Here we have Jewish heroes who are finally doing what every Jew should be doing. And not only do they not help them, they go and attack them and destroy their communities. But the Arab Nazis who want to exterminate us, who want to slaughter all of us, they understand who are the re- who the real Jewish heroes are, and they say it all the time. They say again, th- this guy said all the time. He said the hilltop youth. He said they are. He said they have taken over more land. He said they've taken over twice as much land as all these establishment, all these established Jewish communities in Judea and Samaria have had since the 1970s. They're there since 1970s, and the hilltop youth, hundreds of heroic hilltop youth, have taken more land than hundreds of thousands of Jews who've been sitting there since the 1970s. Well, not all of them were there since 1970s, but their communities were established in the 1970s. They say, you know, he says that that they receive, that the hilltop youth receive their funding and training and weapons from the Israeli army and the Israeli police and the Israeli governments. <laughs> what a joke. What a joke. The opposite is true. It's the Arab terrorists who receive funding from the Israeli government. Yes, the Israeli government sends them money. Billions of dollars over the years have been sent to them. It's humanitarian to help Arab terrorists. The Israeli army wouldn't give a penny to the hilltop youth and does everything they can to destroy hilltop youth communities. In reality, the only funding the hilltop youth get is from their own independent fundraising that they do online. They do independent fundraising online in Israel, among Jews in Israel. That's where they get their money from Jews in Israel, from contributors in Israel. And outside of Israel, only JTF. We're the only organization that helps them. Do you want to help them? Do you want the nightmare of Moid Shaban to come true and of all the PLO terrorists that the hilltop youth will grow and grow and grow and the nightmare of self-hating Jewish traitors like Benny Gantz and others that, that want a Palestinian state. They're just insane. They're so anxious to please our enemies. They'll put Israel in borders that are six to nine miles wide. They'll put Israel in borders that are completely indefensible. Who do you want to win? Whose side are you on? If you're on the side of the hilltop youth, the time has come for you to do something to help. And to remember, you know, 
in the end the good guys are gonna win Hashem is going to give victory to the Jewish people in the end the prophets in the Bible promise this and there's no doubt that that will happen in the end just like we return to Israel after 2,000 years who would have believed that that was mocked and ridiculed for 2,000 years non-believing Jews and Jewish skeptics laughed at that you're going to return to Israel after 20 centuries what are you crazy the Jews are going to return to the Middle East where, where only a bunch of Arabs live now are you joking how they, how's that possible for 2,000 years that was laughed at and and look at what happened everything that was promised to us by Hashem will come true everything that was promised for the past two thousand for, for thousands of years of prophecy will come true so in the end we're going to win but until then we can go through terrible terrible tragedies and terrible catastrophes and suffering and that's what we want to avoid we don't want our fellow Jews to suffer we don't want there to be terrible tragedy we don't want to delay by hundreds of years the redemption when it can come now we want to do what we can do to stand up for what's right and the way to do that is to help the hilltop youth there are two ways to help the heroic hilltop youth first online you go to our Hebrew main page and on our Hebrew main page which is hayamin.org you go to hayamin.org you'll see it the page is almost all in Hebrew but there is a donate button on top in English which you can click on and very conveniently donate and make a generous donation to help the Hilltop Youth. Again, hayamin.org. That's online. If you want to donate through the regular mail, that's just as good. No difference to us. You send checks and money orders to JTF. You make them out to JTF and you send it to JTF PO Box 650327 Fresh Meadows, New York 11365. Again, you send your checks and money orders to JTF PO Box 650327 Fresh Meadows, New York 11365. Let's go now to our questions from our great JTFers. If I can find it, and I hope I can. Let me see what we have here. Okay, and we start off with our good friend Joe Gutfeld, who writes, and I quote, Shalom Chaim, please give your opinion on the following people. Mike Tyson. Well, Mike Tyson, of course, is the black boxer who became a black Muslim when he was in prison. He was put in prison after being convicted of raping a young black woman. Uh, he raped a young black woman, which is something that, that yeah, the vast majority of rapists in America, even though the blacks... The blacks are 13% of the U.S. population. Uh, black males are about 6% of the U.S. population. And yet that 6% are the majority, the, the, uh, the substantial majority of rapists in America are black. majority of murderers in America are black. And Mike Tyson was one of them. He And then he, he, he was sentenced to a prison term after raping this woman. And then uh, in prison he, beca he became a black Muslim. Mm-hmm. This scum, scum. And the next one on the list is Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson, another rapist. This is a, a child rapist. He, he's a pedophile who raped, uh, who wanted to be white. He tried to turn. He, he, he was born a black male, and he tried to turn himself into into a white female. And and used creams and drugs and everything to lighten his skin. Just sick. I mean, really a sick, sick individual. And was a pedophile. He raped 
14, a 14-year-old Jewish boy, and he raped a 14-year-old Hispanic boy, uh, just a rapist of, 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 of young boys. And he, and he is so celebrated. His music and, 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 and the thing, and, this, and, and just so celebrated. Billions of people go to his, uh, go to listen. Billion, literally billions of people have gone to listen around the world to his music. And it just, it's, it's sickening. And the next person on the list is former NFL quarterback Ben um, Roth. Isn't it Roth Leesberger? I think it's Roth Leesberger. Okay, it says here Roth Ensberger. I think it's Roth Leesberger, if I'm not mistaken. Um, this is a, a so-called Christian, evangelical Christian. He's a white guy. He was a so-called evangelical Christian, white guy, um, who became a, ser- a, a, a serial rapist and, and serial pre- and sexual predator. Another. This is this is an example of white scum, although it's much less common among whites than among blacks. That's a fact. Um, next person on the list is Chris Cuomo. Chris Cuomo, of course, uh, attacked women, sexually assaulted women. Uh, I don't know if he actually raped any women, but he certainly sexually assaulted and attacked them. Uh, also, vile individual. Uh, California Governor Gary Newsom. Ugh, what a disgusting individual. Just such a hypocrite. This is a guy who was saying, you can't... Uh, we can't have any contact with people without masks and and there can't be gatherings of more than 10 people and so on and so forth which I'm not against I wasn't against or especially during the height of the of the uh, of the pandemic of the corona pandemic I wouldn't be against that but he <laughs> violated all of it and had unmasked mass gatherings in order to raise money and in order to have a, in order to party and have a nice time I just one rule for him and, and another rule for everybody else, and he's literally destroying the state of California. He's a left-wing, low-life animal who is destroying the state of California. Thank you, Joe Gutfeld. And now we go to our other friend, Truth Spreader, who writes, and I quote, Dechai, most people never heard of these drugs, but discuss them anyway. Oh, Truth Spreader, I don't know anything about any of these drugs. I'm not a doctor and I'm not a chemist. I don't know anything about these drugs, and I don't use drugs. Uh, so I just don't know anything. Datura, scopopalamine, flaca, bolt salts, crocodile. I don't, I don't know anything about this stuff, truth spreader. I'm sorry. I'm just, I, I, I apologize, but I just, I just don't know anything about this. You know, I mean, I go cold on this program. I don't do research in advance. I mean, so I, you know, I don't know. I don't know anything about these drugs. I'm sorry. I apologize. In general, I think drugs are bad. I, you know, I want to say something that, because I, I realized this week how little people understand about something else. That's it's it's a drug. It's it's a it's a drug that's supposed to help you. It's a it's supposed to that's supposed to help you with inflammation and with pain. They're called NSIIDs, which is non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs. And examples of them are ibuprofen. Ibuprofen, Advil, Motrin, drugs like that. Okay, and this they're supposed to help you with inflammation, and they do relieve inflammation, and they can relieve pain. But they're non-aspirin. They're non-aspirin anti-inflammatories, and there's a difference between the aspirin anti-inflammatories and the non-aspirin anti-inflammatories. 
the non-aspirin anti-inflammatories increase your chance of getting a heart attack or a stroke. If you're in danger of getting a heart attack or a stroke, these drugs will increase your chance. Ibuprofen, Advil, Motrin, they will increase your chances. And there are warnings actually on the labels that people read the labels of these drugs. Next time you go to a drugstore, take a look at what it says on the bottle. They increase your chances of heart attack or stroke. They're not good for you. They increase, they, they raise your blood pressure levels. They're not healthy. Yes, they can reduce pain. Yes, they can reduce inflammation. And there may be instances where you, if you, if you're healthy enough to take it, where you might need it because of inflammation or because of pain or something. It might be necessary. Once, once in a while it might be necessary, but certainly don't make it a habit of using these drugs. They're not good for you. Now, aspirin not anti-inflammatory drugs. They're aspirin anti-inflammatory drugs. That's different from Advil, Motrin, Ibuprofen, or however you pronounce it. The aspirin uh, anti-inflammatories do not increase your chance of having a heart attack or a stroke. In fact, decrease your chance of having a heart attack or stroke. There are also, there's also a downside, though, to the aspirin. Everything you do is, you know, when it comes to drugs, everything has side effects, downside, there's good side, there's bad side. To, to some of these drugs. Aspirin is good in terms of people who are in risk for getting heart attack or stroke. Aspirin is good for you for that. But it's bad for your stomach. It, you know, it depends what your condition is, what your situation is, because it could be bad for your stomach. It eats away at the stomach lining, at the lining on your stomach and can give you ulcers. So there are good signs and good sides to it and bad sides. If someone is at high risk of, of heart attack or stroke, sometimes they have to take a small dose of aspirin every day. Sometimes sometimes it's worthwhile for you to do that. That's something you should consult a doctor with. But again, the aspirin anti-inflammatories decrease your chance of heart attack or stroke, but can eat away at your stomach lining, so you have to be careful and you have to consult with a doctor before doing anything. The non-aspirin anti-inflammatory drugs increase your chance of getting heart attack or stroke. They can reduce inflammation and reduce pain, but they increase your chance so they can be so they can be dangerous. So Again, I hope people will bear that in mind. Thank you, Truth Spreader, for giving me at least a chance. I'm sorry that I couldn't comment on your drugs here because I don't know any of these five drugs that you listed. But uh, at least you gave me a chance to, to, to speak about something that I think people should know more about. Uh, now we go to our friend Ram Sheva Sheva Efes, who writes in Hebrew, and we'll quickly translate, Shalom Rav Chaim HaTzadik Mashlom Cha Madat Cha Shenaseh Mifkash Zoom Nosaf Gamani Gam Ech Hakesher Im Bocher. Okay, this is this is stuff that that Ram writes to me about. It's some of the business that we take care of and we do together as far as interviews and other things. Um, and uh, you know, he's writing to me about the interviews that that we should be that hopefully will be coming up in in, in Israel. Um, and and about speaking to members of the Knesset and so on and so forth. Ram, ani modelecha al hakol, anachnu menasim letapel bechol ha'inyanim ha'ele, ve'ani modelecha al hakol, Ram. And now we go to <coughs> our good friend Hirvatsky Noachai, who writes, and I quote, In Laws of Kings 10.9, Maimonides rules that a Gentile who rests even on a weekday, observing that day as a Sabbath, is obligated to die. 
In the Guide for the Perplexed, Part 2, Chapter 31, he mentions the principle of creation which will spread in the world when all peoples will keep Sabbath on the same day. Can you explain this contradiction? Um, I'll try to. Um, in the, the first instance, um, Maimonides, or as we say, the, the Hebrew acronym is Rambam, Harambam. Harambam is speaking about Haolam Hazeh, this world. In this world, the Gentiles are not supposed to observe uh, Sabbath. They're not supposed to be Sabbath observers for the simple reason that in this world, the ideal that we're working towards when we eventually, when we have the redemption is going to be the Jews are going to be in the land of Israel and control things in the land of Israel and the Holy Temple. And their job is going to be all the Gentiles are going to come and they're going to make sacrifice to the Holy Temple and they're going to receive uh, Hashem God is going to give them is going to is going to teach them and give them direction, uh, and the Jews have to be in charge of of making sure that everything is running right at the Holy Temple and the land of Israel is open to them and so on. That's what's going to happen in the next world after the Mashiach comes, if the Messiah comes, and they're only righteous people in the world because the wicked are going to be destroyed. So the land of Israel and the Holy Temple that's going to be the Jews. All the lands outside of Israel are going to be run by the Gentiles. The Gentiles are going to continue to run things. And the Gentiles are going to be in charge of technology and factories and computers and and running things and making sure everything continues because the world has to continue to function. The physical world has to continue to function. And the Gentiles are going to be running the physical world. And if they if there's a Sabbath day for them, that interferes with that objective in this world. The Gentiles have to have to. Um, run the events of the world and be in charge of the events of the world and be the practical managers of the world of all nations outside of Israel that's in this world eventually eventually there's going to be a new world beyond that new world that comes beyond that later where there won't be a need for that anymore there'll be such prosperity and such and such abundance, and Hashem will miraculously control everything, so that the Gentiles will not have to worry about agriculture and and keeping lands fertile and technology and and all the other things that we need now to keep the world functioning. We eventually the day will come when we won't have to worry about any of those things because we'll have such an abundance and such prosperity and such peace on earth that we, we'll have no worries about any of those things. When that day comes, everybody will, will, observe, will observe the Sabbath, including the Gentiles. So we're talking about two different periods of time. One is in this world, and another is in a world into the future, into the distant future, when all peoples will observe the Sabbath, and when there won't be a need anymore for the Gentiles uh, to be running the nations outside of Israel and there won't be a need anymore because everything will automatically be in our hands everything will have everything that we need and everybody will be able to to worship God and study and learn and progress and help each other and do the good things that make this that'll make this world and make life worth living that that day will come thank you Hirvatsky and we now go to our friend Am Rafael, who writes, and I quote, Shalom Chaim, what do you think about recent finds of bones in wells that corroborates with historical accounts of Jews being targeted during the Black Death in Germany, France, and Spain, and being similar to modern Jews genetically? 
Okay, that's the first question. Well, of course, it, it doesn't surprise me. It's well known that they were that Jews were slaughtered. Uh, huge numbers of Jews were slaughtered during the Black Plague in in Europe. The Black Plague probably killed about one third of the population of Europe, um, but far fewer Jews. There were Jews who died of the Black Plague too, but it was much smaller percentages than than among the than among the Christians who lived in Europe, because the Jews had laws about washing hands and sanitary and, and all types of uh, sanitary laws and other laws which protected them from the plague, whereas the Christians in Europe at that time did not have those laws. I mean, there, were, there was actually a period in France, for instance, where it was common for the French to take a bath once a year. I mean, it was just something that they didn't do. And so uh, it was it was a situation where, where disease could spread very quickly and did spread very quickly, but in the Jewish communities it did not spread and, and only relatively small numbers of Jews were dying from the plague and when the when the Christians saw that, they saw that the Jews are surviving and everybody else is dying, they blamed the Jews. They said the Jews are poisoning the wells and the rabbis are poisoning the wells and poisoning the streams of water in Europe and it's the rabbis that are causing this. And they blamed the Jews and, and, and began, began murdering large numbers of Jews in Europe. So, of course, it's not surprising. The Jews are always blamed in the end. When, whenever anything goes wrong, when things go right and the Jews uh, do great things for the world, they never get credit. And when things go wrong in the world that have nothing to do with the Jews, they are always blamed. They're always the scapegoat. So that's just a historic reality. Amrafel now writes, is the crime in New York increasing? Unquote. Um, yeah, of course it is. It's increasing dramatically because we have leaders that that are getting down on their hands and knees to the criminals and that are making it sound like the criminals uh, are doing something noble. Even in Hollywood, by the way, and in the news media now, and in uh, on, on television, on the internet, in the media, Hollywood movies, even black criminals are good guys. Anyone who's black doing any is always the good guy. And the whites are always the bad guys. So, I mean, if you're going to have this mentality, you know, of course, <laughs> of course you're going to see a, dr a drastic increase in crime. Because the criminal... Uh, he doesn't view this as kindness when you're nice to him. He views it as weakness and will take advantage of it and couldn't care less about about his victims. These are people with no conscience. They're cruel, vicious people. They have no conscience and they don't care about their victims. In fact, they 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 most of them get a sadistic thrill out of out of victimizing innocent people and elderly people or children or women or people who are just who can't defend themselves they get a sadistic thrill out of having the power to attack them and to kill them and to terrorize them to rape they they this is this gives them a thrill so if you're going to deal with beasts like this if you don't deal with them with, a, with if you don't deal with them with an iron fist uh, you're going to have a, a massive crime epidemic, and that's what's happening. Thank you, Amrafel. Um, Amrafa, I'm sorry, Amrafael. Uh, and now we go to our other friend, Kahana will always be right, who writes, and I quote, comment on. Oh, we have a problem here like we had before with the drugs, because uh, you're, you're asking me about movies. These are all movies, and I, I don't watch movies. 
Um, the Pianist, I didn't see. Schindler's List, I did see. Schindler's List, I saw. I thought it was disgusting. I thought it was, I mean, it showed the brutality of the German Nazis, but it it it, it made the Jews such wimps and so dependent upon just begging and and which is which is which is you know which is. Um, which is what you would expect from Steven Spielberg. Because Steven Spielberg, he wrote that he was beaten up and, and attacked repeatedly as a child by anti-Semites in school. And he never fought back and didn't know how to fight back and didn't, didn't defend himself. And he was beaten up. And and so he... And then he, he, he wrote that he tried to... He didn't want anything to do with Judaism because of that. He blamed Judaism for that, even though Jude, if, if, if they followed Judaism, he wouldn't have been in that situation. Uh, because in Judaism we do fight back, and we and 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 Jews are are heroes in Judaism, and 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 Jews are not supposed to be living where he was living. They're supposed to be living in the land of Israel with an Israeli army and so on. So would have been a different story. But he 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 started uh, hating the self hatred and having the self hating image of Jews being weaklings and having to having to cower before their enemies uh, because that's the way he was his whole life. And so in Schindler's List, all the Jews are wimps, and all the Jews are cowering, and all the Jews are terrified, and all the Jews are terrorized. None of the Jews even think there's a possibility of rising up and defending themselves. That doesn't even cross their mind. I mean, this is the this is the mentality, and he he is part of that mentality because he's a sick, evil, disgusting pig. And uh, next we have Saving Private Ryan. I didn't see that. I don't know anything about it. Band of Brothers. I don't know anything about it. Um, uh, Inglorious Bastards and Munich. Munich. Um, I didn't actually see the movie, but but I read about it. I read that, and it's, again, it's that's also with Steven Spielberg in Mashmovazichro and Tony Kushner in Mashmovazichro. Tony Kushner. The only movies that that they would ever do, uh, that that those two would ever do, would be an evil, disgusting movie. Munich is about the Israelis taking retaliation. Against the against the PLO terrorists for murdering 11 Israeli athletes in the Munich Olympics in 1972, and how the Israeli government later hunted down the Arab terrorists and, and was were assassinating them. In this movie, um, the Israeli who is in charge feels guilty, and he gives up on Israel and decides he doesn't want Israel. And 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 the Arab terrorists are wonderful people, and he has a wonderful he becomes friends with one of the Arab terrorists that he has to kill and he has a wonderful discussion with him and they're so humanized and they're so nice it's amazing Arab terrorists by the way when they do movies or when they do and they do they do have films and they do have things that they put together uh, they they never portray their enemies they never humanize their enemies never never they have no mercy on their enemies only sick demented self-hating Jews do this only demented, self-hating Jews. And uh, Tony Kirshner, by the way, is a homosexual pervert who has done plays and other things about uh, uh, about homosexuality and AIDS and, and all types of perversion because he's a pervert. And he is someone who who wants Israel to be destroyed. He is he's he opposes Israel and opposes Zionism and would like to see the state of Israel destroyed, literally. And later on, he claimed, "I didn't really mean that. I didn't. Come on, you disgusting pig! Just a complete pig." Anyway, um, so Munich was a was a terrible film, even though I didn't see it. I read the reviews on it. The people who reviewed it, uh, there's no question from what they did, 
the, the descriptions of the film, uh, I have no doubt that, that, especially with the two people doing the film, I have no doubt uh, that, that it was a horrible film and Schindler's List was horrible. The other films I haven't seen. Thank you, Kahana will always be right. And now we go to our friend Binyamin Yisrael, who writes, and I quote, one, last week you told the affirmative action story about a Schwarzer listening to rap music noise on an airplane. What airline was it? It was American Airlines. Where were you flying to? I'd rather not say. I have a reason. I'd rather not say where I was flying to. Uh, can you share the first affirmative action story you ever experienced? How old were you? Binyamin, we're getting several questions within one question here again. Okay. Uh, first affirmative action. I don't remember the first affirmative action story I ever experienced. I mean, I've experienced so many. I grew up with, with, with affirmative action people my whole life. I lived in New York City. I, I grew up my whole life with them. I went to school with them. I worked with them. I've lived in their neighborhoods, uh, you know, and of course in prison, I lived with them 24 hours a day, seven days a week for five years. So my whole life I've been with them. My 66 years in this world, I've, I've unfortunately I've had to I've had to have the horrible experience of seeing them. And uh, I don't remember what the first I don't remember what the first was because uh, I've had so many. Benjamin now writes, and I quote too: You said you support abortion for blacks. How do you justify that halachically? Do black babies have the status of rotfim? Unquote. Um, any people that declares war on the Jewish people and says that they want the Jewish people destroyed are enemies of the Jewish people, and we're, we're, we're supposed to be against our enemies. You know, if you don't, if you don't, if you don't hate your enemies and oppose your enemies, uh, you can't you can't survive against them. You can't win against them, and, and also it's just not sane. It's not normal, and it's not moral. Jews did everything to save the blacks. All the things the blacks have, they're taking over America now. If not for the Jews, they never would have gotten to this position. The Jews fought for them and did everything for them, even though the Jews owed them nothing. Nothing! And not only are they ungrateful, they hate the Jews with such passion. They're so filled with hatred and jealousy toward the Jews. And, uh, you know, if black babies who grow up, 99% of the chances are that they're going to grow up and be like that. Because that's what we see from in their community and in their society. Are there exceptions? There are exceptions. But 99% of them grow up to be evil and grow up to support people like Barack Hussein Osama and Jesse Jackson and Louis Farrakhan and, and, and preaching against the Jews and hating the Jews and being jealous of the Jews. That's the overwhelming majority of blacks, almost all in the end so you know that if someone if there is a danger that a baby will grow up or that a child will grow up and become a danger to the lives of Jews that does make that child a rodef if if there is a situation like that thank you Binyamin and now we go to our friend Italian Zionist who writes, and I quote, Hope you had a great holiday. Was this the last film of Rabbi Kahana? Fast forward to 139 where the rabbi goes down to push a rowdy Arab to teach him a lesson. Uh, this is difficult for me to do to do videos in the middle of a broadcast, Italian Zionist. It's, it's a little bit difficult for me um, to do that. Um, I, so I don't know which, which video you're referring to. I can't really go in, into that right now. Um, I can't really do that right now, but I, 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 I'm very happy that you're bringing up the fact that uh, you can find a lot of the rabbis' videos on YouTube. By the way, we had a great YouTube channel, JTF, with the great Shlomo, 
We created a YouTube channel with the rabbi's videos, with dozens and dozens of the rabbi's videos improved, and the sound improved so everybody could hear clearly. And there were great videos, uh, very much worth watching. We had a great page. Tens of thousands of people came to, and I'm talking about in English. We also had in Hebrew, but that was another page where we had a lot of views. They took down YouTube, those low-life animal traders. They took down both of our pages of Rabbi Kahana and his speeches and his interviews. They just took the pages down. They just removed the pages. But we had a great Rabbi Kahana page in English with his English speeches, and we had a page of him in Hebrew with his Hebrew speeches, and we had tens of thousands of views for each page. And they just took it down and, and uh, removed it. But uh, there's no question that uh, nobody could speak or debate or persuade like the great Rabbi Kahana. Thank you very much, Italian Zionist, and I want to thank everybody again for another program of SJTF that I very much enjoy doing. In your heart, you know we're right, and in your guts, you know they're nuts. For JTF until next week, this is Chaim Ben Pesach. Shalom.